This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Today on the TMZ Podcast. Welcome to the TMZ Podcast. This is Jason. Derek here. Derek is at home. We're doing this remotely. Derek has the the, the big COVID, so he's... Uh, but you're feeling better, Derek, right? Not the vid, but feeling feeling better we, at the we, mercy of these these rapid tests, man. Keep, yeah. keep coming out positive like a, like a pregnancy test. Right. We miss you. We miss you on the show for sure. But uh, w- without Harvey today, we brought you in. We needed some gravitas, some intelligence. And uh, so here, here and you are. And I was the last resort, huh? Then you were the last resort, right. <laughs> Only one available. So we're going to start it out with, in Kansas where, uh, Derek, you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, with the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade and the Dobbs decision that the Supreme Court issued a, m- a month or so ago. You know, there was a lot of handering in the American political left about this is the end of abortion that states one by one we're going to start uh, uh, eliminating or making abortion illegal. I think it was 28 states had some sort of a law on their books that could compromise or completely outlaw abortion. Many of those states have sought to uh, to, to ratify the, those uh, and to solidify those laws within their state's constitution, within their state's uh, actual uh, code of, of laws. Kansas among them, they put on a ballot in the and the uh, folks on the right did this during the primary because typically turnout in primary elections is higher among the right. So they put a ballot initiative uh, for the people to vote on, which would uh, Kansas currently had a protection for abortion rights on it. And they put on a ballot measure to overturn those abortion rights. How'd that work out for them? It didn't work out. Look, after Roe v. Wade was overturned, everyone thought the dominoes would fall. This was the play by the Supreme Court to say this this right is not grounded in our Constitution, the federal Constitution. So we're going to leave it to the states. And the thought was all of the states, particularly the red states, the dominoes would fall and they would either sort of specifically pass laws or they had trigger laws uh, that were already in effect that would absolutely undo the right to abortion. Well, Kansas voters thought differently. There was a huge amount of money poured into this after the reversal of Roe v. Wade. And the votes came in on this ballot initiative, and they were overwhelmingly in favor of keeping the right to abortion under Kansas law. Now, I think this is a bit of a a backfire, a surprise to maybe some of the Republicans. People think of Kansas and sort of the flyover states, the states between the coasts as being solidly red. But this issue is not as, as divisive, maybe, as they thought. Um, and, right. and the, the right will stay will stay grounded. I think this actually mobilized the efforts of pro-choice advocates to really uh, sort of keep these rights in place under state law. Since now the federal law has been reversed, and, and that was really uh, I don't think something that the that the Republicans anticipated. Really quickly to contextualize Kansas, Kansas is, is a red state. It has voted for uh, Republican for president. I think well below you know probably going back to JFK and maybe even before that. I mean we know Eisenhower's from Kansas, so certainly him. But in any event. But it's not that red of a state. It has a Democratic governor. It has had a Democratic governor for some time. It has dabbled with Democrats at the Senate level. So it's not as red as an Arkansas or an Alabama or one of the states that we traditionally think of as the the deep south red states. But that said, it's pretty right. And it's certainly right of a place like Texas, which is a purple state, leans Republican. But Texas, their legislators have have really gone out quickly to try and solidify the pro-life 
uh, a pro-life legal agenda and and make sure that there were no abortions legal in the state. And they've sought to outlaw even even traveling to other states to have an abortion. Texas has been on the forefront of that. It seems the legislators are probably behind where the where the voters are, and I think that they're probably doing some real sort of thought, uh, some, some meetings right now, it. saying, "Do yeah. we really want to lead with this issue? Because it could impact us not just at the uh, on this ballot initiative, but really at the gubernatorial letter, uh, level, the senatorial levels. There's a couple. There's a really close Senate race that's going on in Texas. It could really impact that." I think you're right. This is a huge bellwether that's going to cause a reassessment of the strategy. But what it is is a good reminder as well. A lot of people think of these red states as being very, very solidly red. But you saw with this Kansas issue that turnout really matters. Remember, cities in every state, cities across the board, when you have a large urban metropolitan area, those tend to be bluer. And when you have a high turnout, which there was a lot of turnout for this particular initiative, those can skew to the left. They can yeah. skew a bit more democratic. And what's happening is this issue is such a hot button issue after the reversal of Roe that people turned out in droves. And when you have high turnout elections, how do those usually go, Jason? They, they lean left. Is- the more people that vote, the more le- more things tend to lean left. The final vote in this I saw it this morning is nearly 70-30. You don't see anything pass or fail on a 70 to 30 vote anymore. And it's remarkable that this, I mean, the right to abortion is now codified within the Kansas Constitution. Nothing is going to happen to change that. Um, and so, you know, it's it's an, it's incredible. I am stunned by, stunned uh, I'm, by the action. I'm stunned as well, considering it's Kansas, which we consider not purplish, like, yeah. like Texas. But you're right. This is going to cause a lot of uproar in, in sort of those states that we know are not as solidly red. They could have even more outcomes like this that 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 really threaten the agenda of the of the of the pro-life movement because everyone thought after alito penned that opinion it was only a matter of time before everything fell into place yep. for, for this now this may also push the federal agenda to 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 you know yeah. in congress in federal congress try to ban abortion if this starts to happen i think you it would require that. the republicans to win back both houses of congress and the presidency but if that were to happen i think it's undoubted that they would seek to outlaw abortion at the federal level which could trump the states in in what they want to do if you're shopping while working eating or even listening to this podcast then you know and love the thrill of the hunt but are you getting the thrill of the best deals Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Adidas, Macy's, or Levi's. And you can even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares that money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal or... Go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's Rakuten, R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Switching on to another surprise development coming out of uh, involving politics, Jon Stewart. um, Incredible what happened over the last week or so. Jon Stewart has been a vocal proponent of the PACT Act, which is something that seeks to provide funding to address veterans' health health conditions that result from these open pits, these fire pits. Derek, I don't know if you know a little bit more about it than I do. but Yeah, I think there's these burn pits where there's toxins that come off of burn pits and hit servicemen, people right. who are who are in the military and have adverse consequences for them and their health going forward. And he he's 
he tirelessly fights for veterans' rights. Right. And so and, and a week or so ago, there was a so so a few weeks ago, there was a procedural vote that passed by by a measure of 82 to 16 to to provide this funding last week. A number of dozens of Republicans in the Senate reversed course and actually voted against this PACT Act, which caused the bill to fail in Congress, Um, did not get through the Senate. John Stewart went crazy, literally, I think, went crazy, screaming and yelling at anybody who would listen, screaming to the camera, screaming at a a, a politician who did not vote for the PACT Act. And Partly based on our video, Jason, if you remember, Ted, Ted Cruz. Yes, T- Ted Cruz. So uh, when they, when they defe- when the Republicans in the Senate defeated this vote, Ted Cruz got, got a few fist bumps in, and there was a little bit of gloating, notwithstanding the fact that in the previous vote, Ted Cruz had voted for the PACT Act. So it was some hypocrisy. And look, this is not a right thing. There's t- tons of hypocrisy on both sides in Congress. But the Republicans, for purposes of just defeating a Democratic bill, which is what they like to do, not giving the Biden administration a win on anything, they defeated this bill. John Stewart called him out, and now there was a vote yesterday, and they reversed course once again. I think it was 84 to 12 or 84 to 14 in the Senate to pass the PACT Act. And let me tell you, this does not happen without John Stewart. One man made this difference. Without question. This is an astounding reversal because we had a video where Ted Cruz said the Democrats are pulling budgetary tricks. This was, uh, you know, mandatory spending and discretionary spending, and that's why I had to change course. John Stewart did a lengthy video calling out Ted Cruz. And then there was a reversal of all those all those votes that had shifted course. Uh, once John Stewart called them to the mat, they changed course. Now I think this is a bellwether for John Stewart's political future. I mean, we we bandied this about. He has real influence. He's not a guy who just retired from the Daily Show and walked off into the sunset. This guy can actually do things on the political front. I don't think he'll get sort of drunk or intoxicated with that. But he shouldn't ignore it either. He I mean, seemed a little drunk and intoxicated when he was screaming at uh, <laughs> these Republicans out, out in the field the last few days. I will say, I don't think I don't remember ever having a time in American politics in my lifetime where you had the figureheads of the two major political parties so disliked, or if not disliked, so so the, the reaction to Joe Biden is very lukewarm at best. But uh, by their party base, right? There are a lot of Republicans, and we saw it last night in a lot of voting, a lot of Republicans who dislike Donald Trump. And there are a lot of Democrats who want nothing to do with Joe Biden on the on the ballot in 2024. I've never seen a time where both parties were so, there was so much hand-wringing in both parties about what they're going to do in the next presidential election. John Stewart, a lot of people are looking at him saying, this guy, this is what we need. This is the savior for the Democratic Party. He has repeatedly said he has no interest at all in running for the presidency. If he did, he's the kind of person who could actually galvanize the Democratic left with the Democratic center and I think could probably get the nomination. Look, I think you're right. And I think a lot of t- John Stewart has been very consistently uh, on record saying, I'm not interested in running for political office. But when I see these kind of movements, when I see him out in the streets yelling in people's faces, when I see him post these videos, there's a lot of passion there. There's a lot of passion lot that of passion I think there. you would want to want to leverage in on, on a national stage. And what I would say is it would, of course, invite all of the he doesn't have any experience sort of people to come out. We hear those takes we're over and over that. again. Unfortunately, we're, we're past, past that. Yeah. We're, 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 we're really does it cause you it. concern that somebody doesn't have political experience? It doesn't Washington? anymore. Now, now I see that you can really rise to the occasion. I think of a guy like Zelensky in, in the Ukraine. Obviously, it's, it's, it's not 
our, yeah. our political system. But this guy was a comedic actor who's really risen to the occasion. John Stewart has no executive experience, but he seems like a guy who would rise to the occasion. There are, there, there yeah. are certain people that just have it. And I don't know what it is. And, and I, look, he'd have to learn the government, but he's a, clearly a smart guy. He's clearly very passionate and a tremendous communicator. And to me, those are the clear sort of uh, essential qualifications for running for that kind of office. I think that's right. I think we, we saw with the Trump administration, putting aside Trump's weirdness and tyrannical sort of leanings. Or to put those aside. He got, quite, but he got in office, and, and, and by, I think he wouldn't admit it, but the people around him would admit it, that he didn't really know how to work with Congress. He didn't know how the game was played, and there's some real benefit to knowing how the game is played. Joe Biden knows how the game is played and has nevertheless been feckless, so it's not certainly something that you can come in and just with experience be, uh, be, be terrific. Bill Clinton suffered from this. He came in from Arkansas, had no idea how to deal with Congress, and his first two years were an abject disaster. Barack Obama had some of those same issues his first couple of years, and then you learn how to do it over time, but there is a learning curve, and John Stewart would certainly suffer from that. But I think only he and Michelle Obama, honestly, are the only two people who could rally the Democratic Party. I don't know who it is that can rally the Republican Party. I mean, uh, Ron DeSantis seems to be the guy. Josh Hawley seems to be very popular. Um, Although but, less so after running in the halls. After running in the halls. I think that hurt him. But that's Donald Trump's uh, you know, primary to win. If he wants the nomination, it, it seems to be his. Um, I want to turn to uh, – do you have another point, Derek? Or no, you, no, go ahead. I want to transition to I, I, I want to transition out to what I think, despite all the big political news last night, is the biggest story of yesterday, uh, personally devastating for me, and that's the death of Vin Scully. Uh, I know he's just a baseball announcer, but he meant so much more to a generation of sports fans and beyond. He is far more than a baseball announcer, and I know he meant a tremendous deal to you, uh, particularly growing up in Los Angeles. I didn't grow up in Los Angeles, and Vince Scully means a lot to me. I'm from the East Coast, and he's still – he's the soundtrack of of sports moments. That's the best way I could describe him. There are very few announcers that put an indelible imprint on, on the game you're watching where that is the thing you remember from the game. For me, Vince Scully's biggest moment is is the 86 World Series when the little roller – Oh, I think we're going 88. Okay. Behind yes. the bag. Behind it the bag. Gets through but Buckner. Yeah. I, you can't watch that moment on mute. When you watch that, you yeah. want to listen to Vince Scully. I would rather li- see, see no video and just listen to Vince Scully's audio. That's how important he was to experiencing baseball. And I'm not an old timer. I'm not a guy who had to listen to baseball games on radio. I was able to watch them on television my whole life. Maybe Harvey somewhat differently. Maybe yeah. to the radio. Well, he wasn't listening to game. baseball, but yes, he could have. But he's he's yeah. tremendous. He's he, yeah. he was just tremendous. So it's it's an incredible so, loss to the community. A, a little bit about him. Yeah, he, he was the Dodgers announcer as I was growing up and watching games on television and listening to them on the radio. And he was the he was the play by play announcer and legend. He also did NFL. He did a lot of golf coverage. Um, did World Series, which is the famous the famous call. The other one would be Kirk Gibson's uh, home run. But more than a, a sports announcer, he was one of the uh, widely regarded as one of the finest human beings uh, that anybody who knows him had ever met. He was a deeply religious man and carried out his religious convictions in everyday ways that are really important, was insanely charitable, was a face of children's hospitals, was out there at the forefront of this community. He's been infirmed in one way or another for the last 20 years or so, so most younger people have no idea who he is. But um, but he, uh, but but really, one of the t- most wonderful people that has ever graced sort of the sports landscape. And you're hearing the tributes come out, and there's always nice things said about dead people, whether or not people like him or not. But you can always tell when somebody is truly beloved, 
because the people who worked with him come out one after the other after the other and say great things about him. Um, really one of the greatest human beings that has the, uh, of my lifetime that I was able to watch and, and listen to, obviously. Um, and, you know, he was 94 years old. His time had come. He had been very sick for the last couple of years. Um, but so to have a career that length of time without any controversy swirling around you, yeah. only sort of good things. I mean, I, I remember in terms of announcers when, when Harry Carey died, who yeah. I loved. And Harry yeah. Carey was a tremendous announcer, but he was boisterous and he would drink a lot. And, and he would root for the Cubs during the games and stuff. He would yes. openly root for the, It was just he was just he was a colorful character, whereas. Vince Scully is certainly colorful, one of the best announcers, but sort of calm and dignified in a way that just puts you at ease. He just just sort of like poured over you his his announcing. Uh, it, it's a style that's sort of inimitable, but it's so it's so essential to the game. I think it's 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 very very sad day for baseball and for human beings and for human beings thing. as well. But but <laughs> you know he called the catch as yeah. well. He wasn't just a baseball announcer. Do you know he called? Yeah, Dwight yeah, Clark the great catch? Joe Montana, the Dwight Clark catch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, tough day. Tough day. I know it's tough for you. But it, you can go to my office. I have that little microphone that says it's time for Dodger baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure you got it for free. I yeah. got it from you. It's oh, for did, you, did I give it to you? I think I had You had two. <laughs> that was really nice of me. It was. Nice. All right, guys. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Uh, appreciate it. Uh, check us out wherever you get your podcast, right? Do, do we still do that anymore? Apple, Spotify, anywhere else you get your podcast? Nowhere to get podcasts by now. Derek, thanks. Feel better, buddy. Thanks, guys. See ya.